Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. good to be with you. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so glad uh, to be with you this morning. Can we also welcome everybody who's with us online? We are so glad that you are with us on Facebook Live here today. Um, If you are a Facebooker, I encourage you, just get on real quick, share this post with your friends. Uh, Just a great way to get them to church this morning, maybe from their house or from a coffee shop. And so we are in a series called God Problems. We're going to get into that in a minute, Um, but here we are at the school, and and we're getting into a rhythm here. Can we thank everybody who set up this morning, by the way? Give them a hand for setting this place up. They were here at 6 a.m. this morning praying and just running around, getting all this stuff going, and so we are so thankful for all of our teams this summer. This is kind of a cool season for us as a church. Uh, there's a lot going on. We're working on our facility on Brooks Loop. And if you haven't seen, some things have changed. Let's get that picture on the screen here. Um, it looks pretty different. Can we get that uh, change of the... There it is. Yeah, so there is the new view. So we got walls getting torn out, and uh, they are just moving on that facility. And so pretty soon, it's, uh, it's going to be done. So we're really excited about that by the end of the summer to be back in our new space and kicking off into the fall. And, and, and so thank you so much for leaning in, for giving and being generous so that we can do this. And also serving. Listen, I know that it's summer in Alaska And that just means that this is when we're all looking to go and experience like six months of summer in about two and a half months. And so if you're anything like us, it gets like manic depressive in Alaska. It's depressing in the winter sometimes, and then in the summer we just don't sleep for uh, two and a half, three months. And so I know it's busy, but I want to encourage you, continue to engage, continue to serve. Uh, Our church just has so much to celebrate over the past few months. Even since January, we had about 400 more people join our church. And so we just see so many great things happen, which is, yeah, something to celebrate, but that just means more kids. Yeah, we can celebrate that. And we do, we love it. We, we are here for Eagle River. We are here for our city, here to reach our community. And so as we do that, uh, that just means a lot of different things that we get to do. We get to serve kids. We get to serve uh, you every Sunday morning. And so uh, continue to engage and serve. We are the kind of church, if you're wondering who ACF is, um, we are not a consumer Christian culture. Like that's not who we are. We are here to be part of what God is doing. And so if you're someone here that wants to help with that, I encourage you to go out to the engage table after church. We'd love to get you plugged in in one way or another uh, to serve. We've also got baptism coming up in a couple of weeks. 
And so if you've chosen to follow Jesus recently and you're wondering what your next step is, uh, it's baptism. That's the first thing that God calls us to do as an act of obedience when we give our hearts to Jesus. So I want to encourage you to look for that. That's coming up. And then in this summer, when this series is done, we're actually going to spend the rest of the entire summer on one series, which is not like us. We normally do four or five week series. Um, We're going to spend the rest of the summer walking through the book of Acts. And uh, it's a series we're calling Who Needs Church? And so I'm really excited about this. If, if, yeah, we can celebrate the Bible. Somebody's excited about reading the Word. So I want to encourage you this, uh, this week, uh, grab a Bible, start reading through the book of Acts, studying that. That's going to prepare you for that next series. But really, we just felt in this season as a church that it made sense for us to go back to the first century church and to see how they began and, and what challenges they faced. Because for us, this summer is a little bit like, um, we can, we're kind of popping the hood on ACF, aren't we? I mean, this, this is going to show us a little bit uh, who we are and why we do what we do. Uh, because not being at our facility is a great excuse to not go to church, right? It's a great excuse to not be involved with church. And I totally understand that. But what it's going to do is force us to ask the question, why do we even go? What's the purpose of this? Why, do we, uh, why are we involved with ACF? And what, what, what is my role in that? And we're going to tease all of that out in that series. I'm so excited uh, about that. So you can study up on that and be ready for that, for that new series. But this morning, we're going to take a step forward in our God Problems conversation. Last week, we talked about the problem of hypocrisy and how so many people see Christians and they think, well, every Christian I know is just a hypocrite. And so we teased out that idea, like, what does it mean to be a hypocrite? And what does Jesus say about hypocrisy? And we saw that it's a little different than, than maybe what we thought it was. Like, there's hypocrisy in the sense that uh, somebody who is not doing something that they claim is valuable, right? But when Jesus talks about hypocrisy, he speaks about it as, in terms of somebody who doesn't admit, and it doesn't acknowledge, and isn't honest about their, their shortfalls and their shortcomings. And so we as a community... We, we just acknowledge our faults and acknowledge where we're not m- making the mark that Christ sets for us. And in that way, we're not living as hypocrites, but just sinners in need of grace. And, uh, and so that's important for us to see a difference. This morning, I want to talk about the problem of the exclusive gospel. That when, when we think about Christianity, and when your friends think about Christianity, what many of them think of is an exclusive belief system. And so as Christians, we believe that Jesus is the way to eternal life. We actually believe that. We're going to talk about that text in a minute. But when you say that, when you communicate that, what you're communicating is an exclusive truth. And for a lot of people, that's, that's really challenging, right? Um, I was talking with a friend about it this week, and he was like, yeah, I, I really don't like that uh, because it, it feels arrogant, right? It, it feels arrogant and judgmental. How can we as Christians say that we're right and all of these other people are wrong? And we live today in a pluralistic society where we say that anything's right. And in fact, what a lot of people say is that all pathways lead to God, right? Like just believe in some kind of God, have a belief in some kind of higher power. And when you do, that is your way of, if there is a heaven, that that maybe one day you'll get there. Do as much good stuff as you can. Be a decent human being, right? Right? And then in the end, maybe you will get into heaven if there is a heaven. And so this is, a, this is the way that people believe today. And so then you contrast that to Christianity. That's not Christianity. Christianity has some very exclusive beliefs, and it's very difficult for a lot of people. So it starts off with, well, what do you believe about God? Do you even believe there is a God? 
any kind of God. And in fact, we got some questions this week pertaining to that. This person says, is it okay to doubt that there is a God? How can I improve my relationship with him and trust in him as well as be patient with his plans for me? I can relate to that. Pastors are probably not supposed to say that, but I can relate to that. Sometimes I'm like, have I, what, what, what if I bought into a lie? What if I believe something that's not true, right? And sometimes life gets difficult and we wonder, like, is God there? Is he even listening? And is it okay to doubt once in a while? Another person says this. They said, uh, my husband believes there's a higher power, but says he will need his own experience to believe that God exists. Other than praying, how can I show him God exists? Apologetics doesn't seem to work on my husband. And another question we got was this. I feel like this pertains to all of this. This person says, is pride really that big a deal? And pride is really the belief that like, hey, I don't need God. There, maybe there is no God. Maybe I'm my own God. Like I, I choose what my life's going to be like. In the end, I'm the one that's in, in, in control of my own destiny, right? And so that's really a lot of times what people believe in our culture. So as we kind of talk through these, these conversations this morning, I want to also encourage you, there's a number on the screen. You can text in at any point during this message, and we will get all of those questions and be using those throughout this series. They're totally anonymous, and so you can, you can text in whatever. It don't, there are no stupid questions. So just text in whatever your questions are. But today I want to deal with this idea that there is a God, and he also is an exclusive God. He's a specific kind of God. And if you're here today, I would say it's probably because you have this hunch that there is a God. You have this belief that, man, there's something more that I'm living for and that we all exist for something greater than ourselves. In fact, C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Isn't that good? I love that. I love it. We were made for a different world. We were made for something else. If you're here this morning and you just feel like you're constantly thirsty and you're pouring all kinds of stuff into your life and yet you continue to thirst, there is this hunch that we have that there is something greater for us. So if you have a Bible, I want you to open up to Exodus chapter 34. Um, If you don't have a Bible, you can download the ACF Church app and the text is going to be there. the book of Exodus, second book in the Bible, is really the story of uh, Israel, of God's people exiting from captivity under in Egypt. And so this is this whole story of them walking out of that. And there's this man named Moses who was chosen by God to lead them out of exile. And so this is the journey of these people. And this man, Moses, is a really, man, his story is so beautiful because he has this relationship with God that's, that's, that's amazing. What, what had been broken with God's people, even from the fall, was this intimate relationship. And so what we see in Moses is that Moses has this connection with God. He actually sees God. He communicates with God. And he's sort of like a, he's a, almost like a picture of Jesus in many ways as a mediator between God and man. And so Moses has this relationship with God. He's leading these people. And they are in a very similar society to us in that they worship all kinds of different gods. There's all kinds of different belief systems, different idols that they are worshiping. And so Moses is dealing with a people that are tempted in all the same ways, I think, that we are tempted here today. And his desire is to show them who God really is. He wants them to see God. And so God, in this particular text, is introducing himself to Moses. 
Like we, we get a sense of who God is. He shares who he is in, in his personality. It says this in verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation." So here's the first thing we see in this text is that it's possible to know God personally. I want you to know this today. No matter what you think about God, when you, when you come here, that, that we believe that there is a personal God, that you can actually know him, and he describes himself in a personal sort of way. He says, I'm merciful, I'm gracious, I'm loving, I'm faithful, I'm forgiving, but I'm also just. So this is how God describes himself. And the amazing thing about these attributes is you and I, we, we can act these, these ways sometimes, right? Like I can act merciful and then I can be very unmerciful. And I can act loving and then I can be really unloving sometimes. But God himself is never acting these things. God is these things at all times. He never changes and is always merciful, gracious, loving, faithful, forgiving, and just in all things at all times. And I love that when he describes himself, like he doesn't use the omnis, like the omnipresent, you know, uh, these omniscient, these are things that we tend to describe God as, but he goes to the personal descriptive terms. Be like if, if I were to introduce you to my wife, Amanda, I wouldn't be like, okay, here's Amanda, she's 5'10". Um, here's the color of her eyes, here's the color of her hair, here's what she's wearing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe her that way. I would say, here's Amanda. She's a loving wife. She's a mother to three incredible kids. Uh, she loves people really well. She has a great sense of humor. I would describe all of these things. She's the hardest working person that I've ever met. She, she's got so these, these great attributes. And it, it's amazing that God doesn't just stand at a distance and describe himself in, in sort of these physical terms, but really in personal terms. And so this is a very specific God, isn't it? And so we, we have to acknowledge this, that God is not a force. God actually has a name. He's not a force, right? God is not just some kind of like thing that's out there. He's not some kind of feeling just in the room. He is actually a, a God with a real name. And in this text, when he introduces himself, he uses, we, we see the word Lord. And Lord in this text is in all caps, if you see that in your Bibles. And when you see the word Lord in all caps, what it actually is translated to are the letters Y-H-W-H, which is where we get the name Yahweh. Can we say that together? Say Yahweh. Yahweh. This is the name that God gives himself. Do you catch what I'm saying? Like, this is not some kind of being. This is a God who has a real name, a specific kind of God, right? So when we introduce people to God, we're introducing them to a specific God, a specific being that exists, that loves us, that's gracious and merciful and just toward us. So, okay, so we have a specific God, not just some kind of force. Now, I want to bring this to Jesus, we read this in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, 
just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And then he gives him a warning. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, being Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. So did you catch that? So in Jesus is God. God God and Jesus are the same, right? Jesus is God in the flesh. Everything we need to know about God, we can see in the person of Jesus. So you can write this down. Jesus is Yahweh in the flesh. Jesus is Yahweh in the flesh. God before us. All authority. All power. And I love that he warns them, but but be careful because you're going to be tempted to believe this isn't true. You're going to be tempted to believe that there are other gods and other things to believe in. When really there's only one God and we see him in the person of Jesus. How's that for an exclusive statement, right? And now I realize this, depending on where you came from, if you're a church person, you're like, amen. But if you're not a church person, you're like, I don't don't like that, right? I'm not sure I'm a fan of that. That seems pretty arrogant, closed-minded, really. Like you think that there is only really one way. Let's keep going. Jesus is God in the flesh, and here's what Jesus says in John 14. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So first thing we see in Jesus is that this God that we see in Jesus actually wants you to be with him. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want to stand at a distance. He's not just like trying to look for a reason to shoot a lightning bolt at you for every messed up thing that you think or do. Like this God wants to be with you and to encounter you and to have an intimate relationship with you. That's, that's amazing. That's powerful. That is not every belief system out there. So this God is personal, intimate, and it says that he's preparing a room for you. That's good news. So God's got a big house. It's good to know. Remember the old song? Big, big house, right? So God's got a big house with lots and lots of, I can't stop now. It's in my head. Lots and lots of rooms. All right. So he does. He's got lots of space because he wants you to be with him. And this is really cool to think about that, that God wants you to be with him wherever you're at. Whatever you walked into church today with, whatever's on your mind, wherever you've been, that God's actually made a room for you, and he's preparing a place for you, and he wants to be with you. Verse 4, and you know the way to where I am going. What? Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Okay, so at this point, Tom, I love Thomas. What do we know about Thomas? He's a what? He's a doubter, poor guy, right? How would you like your mistakes tied to your name, right? Oh, man. There's Jim. He's a drinker, right? There's Susan. She's a gossip. Susan the gossip. Yeah, I don't, there's a Susan. If your name's Susan or Jim, I'm sorry. Just random names. I'm just throwing those out there. But this is, this is his doubting Thomas, right? But Thomas, I relate to Thomas. I mean, don't you? He's hanging out with Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, you're just, you're always speaking in riddles, and... Going from place to place, I can't pin you down. I don't know what you're doing. You seem like you've got a lot of power and wisdom. And 
And, and Jesus says, you know where to go. And Thomas is like, no, we don't. We don't know where to go. We don't know anything. We're just following you around trying to keep up, right? He says, how can I know the way? And I love that Jesus, he's gracious, right? He gives him some explanation. In verse 6, he says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. But then he says this, and this is offensive in the world that we live in. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah, I mean, that's something to think about. There's a lot of people who think that they've found a way to God, right? But Jesus says that he is the only way. Now, what's really interesting about this is that a lot of people really respect Jesus. People of other religions, uh, people who don't believe in any kind of religion, they just would say Jesus was a good teacher. Well, your good teacher just said that he's the only way to the Father. And so, again, we have to deal with the tension there that if you're the kind of person that's like, I don't like exclusive statements, I don't like that Christians think that there's only one way. Well, Jesus himself says that he is the only way to the Father. That's an absolute truth that Jesus makes that statement. And I was thinking about it this way, because I know there's a tension there. I know that we're, we're kind of going, really, is there really only one way? Because there are a lot of belief systems out there. But know this, that all belief systems have exclusive claims. If you study Buddhism, Buddhists make exclusive claims about God and about man. Uh, if you look at Islam, then Muslims make exclusive claims about there only being one God, and it's a different God. And so look at a lot of different religions, and they all make exclusive claims. And so I have have a problem when people are like, man, Christians are so closed-minded, but all these other religions are open-minded. No, actually, any belief system has exclusive claims. The question is, here's the question, listen. Can they all be right? Because that's sort of what we preach today, that that they, they can all be right. We can all just sort of stand together and hold hands, and we're all right. And in the end, we all, whatever pathway you want, it's just going to, all streams flow into the ocean, right? <laughs> right? They all lead to God in one way or another. So uh, I was thinking this week, like, what, what's an example of this um, in my life? But about 10 years ago, uh, I decided to ask my family for a chainsaw for Christmas, right? Because I'm a dude and I like chainsaws. I didn't really have a whole lot of need for it. I just couldn't think of anything cooler that I wanted for Christmas. And so um, I remember they were like, hey, well, what kind of chainsaw do you want? And I told them, I was like, I think a chainsaw is a chainsaw. I mean, honestly, it's got to cut wood. It's got to run. Just get me a chainsaw. Well, they went down to the local Sears and God love them. They bought me a craftsman chainsaw. And uh, Craftsman used to be really good. If you're a tool guy, it's not so good anymore. Um, Anyway, I could get into that. I'm a tool guy. So it ran for like five minutes, and then it wouldn't start. It wouldn't run. I pulled one time, and the cord just like came completely out. It wouldn't cut the wood. That's like pretty much all a chainsaw is supposed to do is cut the wood. It wouldn't cut straight, and it wouldn't cut well. And it was just kind of, it it was a mess. It was a great gift, but... um, it, it wasn't that great, I guess. Let's be honest. It did, not, it did not run well. So about a year ago, I had to cut down a bunch of trees around our house. And I was like, man, I, I know what happened last time. So I went down to the local hardware store and I asked them. I'm like, listen, guys, I got to get 
a good chainsaw. I found out last time that they're not all the same. Apparently, they're not all the same. And so he turns me on to this little puppy. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce you to the Steel MS-250. Yes. Yes. Oh, man, the things church people clap for. I love that. (laughs) Not a sermon point, but a chainsaw. We live in Alaska, don't we? I love it. This thing's awesome. I mean, I mean, I just look for stuff to chop up around my house. And the first time that the, they're not paying me anything. By the way, if, if there's someone from Steel watching that wants to sponsor me and get me a new one of these, I'd love that. Um, a little kickback from this. Somebody after first service was like, Brian, now my husband wants to go chainsaw shopping. Sorry. It's all you're going to remember of my sermon. But anyway, the first time this hits a, hits a log and just, it's like wet butter, just mm, right down through it. You're just, you're just hooked, you know, and the, the men in the room are connecting with that. But here's what I learned. Some of you ladies are chainsaw ladies. I get that too. Here's what I learned. I learned that there is a name above all other names of chainsaws. There is. There is. And what I had initially thought was they were just all kind of the same, but they're really not. And there can't all be things that, they can't all be true, right? The things that we believe can't all be true. At some point, there is something that is true. We can't logically say as people that we believe all of these exclusive things, and yet, they're all true. It just doesn't make sense. And so, when we read this, when we read Jesus saying these words, I know that there's a defense mechanism that people might put up, or you might put up, of like, man, that seems arrogant and closed-minded, But I just want you to know that not only do all different religions make exclusive claims, but it's actually just honest intellectually for us to say that there can really only be one way to God. That there really is only, in the end, there is only one way. Now, in our society today, I would say there's two major belief systems. The first I would call atheism, and and maybe you're an atheist and you're here today. An atheist is simply somebody who believes that all religion is false. All belief systems are false. There is no God and uh, no reason to believe in a God. But I would say that the belief system of our our, our system today would be called inclusivism, which would be the belief that all religion is true, and that all roads do lead to God, and your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth, which drives me crazy because that just doesn't make sense. There can really only be one truth. One rabbi says it this way. He says, I am absolutely against any religion that says one faith is superior to another. I don't see how that is anything different than spiritual racism. Uh, Theologian Oprah Winfrey um, (laughs) says, "One one of the biggest mistakes, you're messing me up here, One of the biggest mistakes humans make is to believe that there's only one way. Actually, there are many diverse paths leading to God. Okay, so these are the things that are floating around. These are the things that we tend to begin to believe. Even in the church, people start believing these things in a way that it's it's not actually aligning with what Jesus says. When we say, oh yeah, I love Jesus, I follow Jesus, but your way is your way, that's fine, as long as you believe in something. But that's simply not what Jesus says. But I want to challenge all of this in the perspective that that the world has in this, and I hope this isn't too confusing, but this idea of all-inclusiveness, of inclusivity, 
has actually been a very exclusive way of thinking. Here's what I mean by this. We're inclusive. We believe that all roads lead to heaven. And that any way you believe is, is a good way, and if it leads you to God, then that's fine. But if you believe that there's only one way, you can't be in the club. Does that make sense? So I'll say it this way. Inclusivity is the new exclusivity in our world today. Inclusivity is the new exclusivity. It's become a very exclusive thing to say by saying that somebody who believes that there's only one way is not someone who is part of our group. That person's arrogant, and we're going to outcast them, right? And so I want us to understand that we all believe exclusive things, that we all have things that we think are the right way, and that there can, in the end, only be one truth, right? We are either sitting today in a high school or we're in the bottom of a ship, right? But we're not in both. In the end, there is one thing that is true, and we can't all be right in the end. I had a good friend back in Colorado. Um, his name is Mitch. And uh, Mitch and I met because uh, we, we, we were hanging out together, um, or hanging out with a group of people, and I was talking about this, this Dodge truck that I have, this diesel pickup. And at this point, gas prices were going through the roof in Colorado, and um, the gas bill was going up, and I was trying to figure out how to save money, and he was like, hey dude, I've been running my diesel on vegetable oil for years. Come over to my house, I'll teach you how to do it. And so I'm a mechanic, and so I was just, my, my uh, interest was piqued. And so I went over to his house. We spent the whole afternoon. He's got this big filtration system and all these barrels. And he's like, here's what I do. Every single Saturday, I load up into my Dodge diesel truck. I hook the trailer on the back, and I drive around to all the restaurants in Grand Junction, and we pick up barrels of oil. And I'm like, this sounds like fun. And so, so he's like, hey, come with me. We'll, we'll share the load, and we'll share the oil. And so I thought that'd be awesome. So we, we started spending every Saturday together just driving around in the pickup. Had great conversations in this truck. And I learned really quickly um, that, that Mitch was a very outspoken atheist. Didn't believe in God at all. And he's like, well, what do, you, what do you think? You know, and I'm like, well, I'm actually a pastor at a church and uh, uh, very much believe in God. And, uh, and he goes, oh, I, I guess everybody needs a superstition, you know. And I was like, yeah. And uh, I was like, we're, we're, we, we see things differently. And we had a lot of great conversations. And we had a really good friendship and, and spent some really good time together, really enjoyed our relationship. And what I want to point out in that is that there's a lot of people that don't think that's possible. There's a lot of people who think, well, you can't actually have a friendship with someone who believes differently than you. But I would, I would disagree with that wholeheartedly. Um, and I would even say for us as a church, if you're wondering about ACF Church, that we say this a lot, that we're a church uh, for anyone, that you don't have to believe to belong at ACF. And if you're someone who's like, I'm not so sure, I'm ready to throw all my chips into the Jesus basket, I'm glad you're here. I hope you go to a life group. I hope you find a way to serve. I hope you join us at Impact Eagle River when we're serving our city. I hope you, you engage in what we're doing. But you don't have to believe it to belong. And so we had a good friendship, but here's what we never did. We never sat down together and said, we are both right. We never did that. We knew honestly with each other that, that we couldn't both be right. And we also never came together and said, well, can we just agree? Because we couldn't. We didn't see things the same way. But we had a friendship that was honest. We were able to talk about our, our doubts and our issues openly together. But in the end, at the end of the day, we landed at different places. And here's what I know. At the end of the day, at the end of all of this life, one of us is going to be right and one of us is going to be wrong. 
And, and I don't know, you might think, well, it's you, and I obviously think it's me, but it, can we just be honest, and can we communicate, and can we be in relationships with people? I want you, if you're a Christian, you need to have good friends. You need to have relationships with people who don't believe what you believe. If you find yourself isolated in the church, you are in a dangerous place. And it's so easy to do. It would be so easy for us as ACF Church. That's why this summer is so important to me, being out of our normal building, out of our normal thing. It would be so easy for us to just kind of huddle up together, plan a lot of potlucks, right? Get some comfy chairs and just do church every week. Amen, right? I got better stuff to do, honestly. I mean, I love church. I love this. I love being with you. I love gathering as a community, but we better be on mission or we have no reason to exist. And so for us, we have to be honest about what we believe, why we believe it. But I want you to be bold. And I don't want you to buy the lie. I want you to be willing to say, no, I do believe there is an exclusive claim uh, in Christianity. I do believe that there is only one way, but I love you. And there's a God who actually is making space for you. And you may hate him. You may want nothing to do with him. You may think that he's just trying to, trying to hurt you or that he hasn't given you what, what you want. You, you might be upset with him, but he has made a space for you. He loves you and he would die for you. In fact, he did die for you. I mean, that's our message to the world. So here's what I want to put you, push you on here today as we close up. First of all, God's not nameless. He's, he's Yahweh. He does have a name. He's personal. He, we can see him in Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. And the gospel that Jesus proclaims is an exclusive gospel. But what, what I want you to try doing, no matter where you're at today, if you're, um, if, you're, if you're a Christian, I hope that you do this. If you're not a believer, I want you to consider doing something that you would give God some authority in your life. Now, he has all authority, but that you would submit your heart to him. You would submit your life to him. And you would submit what you do to him. Because the problem is, I think a lot of people have ruled out Jesus, but they've never tried it, you know? They're like, eh, I don't know. They seem all the same to me. I was going to start this, but Danny told me I couldn't. We got 14 more weeks in this school, and I was afraid we'd get kicked out. But anyway, if you hear it run, you're just going to be like, oh, so nice. But until, <laughs> somebody really thinks I'm getting paid to do this. I just love this chainsaw, I'm just telling you, a relationship with it. Um, but I'm just, I think a lot of people have said, ah, Christianity's not for me, Jesus isn't for me. But I wonder, have you started walking down the road at all? Because here's what I know about the disciples of Jesus. So he calls these guys just fishermen, you know? Just average fishermen, maybe probably below average in intelligence in many ways. And these are who he calls to be those who initiate this ministry with him. And he calls them out. And as they're following Jesus, they almost never get it, right? They're constantly missing what he's saying. They don't understand who he is. I mean, they've got some big theological problems and some serious doubts and issues about the way that Jesus is doing things and the things that he's saying. And yet they continue to follow Jesus. And so here's what I want to push you on. I think people have unnecessarily disconnected from, from Christianity or, or, or kept themselves outside of the church because they felt like they needed to buy everything to join in. But I want to encourage you, if you've got a bunch of doubts, and even if you're not a Christian here today, do you know that you can be a follower of Jesus? That you can start to walk in step with Christ and just, you can kind of follow him and just see what he's doing in the world around you. You can get to know Christians who are actually in love with God 
and just get next to them in life and start to kind of walk in life with them and do what they do and act like they act and start to consider what it is that they believe. And in that journey, in that process, you might actually find out that there is a name above all, never, all other names. And his name is Jesus. Like there is a name that's above all other names. You might actually start to believe that, but you're keeping yourself from, from experiencing it because you're not jumping in. I would say it this way, that you can't rule out Jesus until you give Jesus the authority to make the rules. Don't rule out Jesus until you start to say, okay, because I believe this. I believe that Jesus does make your life better. And, 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 in, and, and again, if you're in the room and you're getting nervous, I'm not saying it's easier. I'm not saying that there's no pain and suffering because God knows there's a lot of pain and suffering, um, almost especially for those who believe in Jesus. But at the same time, I do think that he makes your life better because now you have a, you have a reason to live. Now you have a purpose and you have a, a, an eternity that you're living for. You have a reason to be in relationships, and, and all this religious stuff then becomes something that is actually uh, driving your life, that you're living for what God is doing around you. I remember my dad was teaching me how to hunt when I was a kid, and uh, we grew up hunting in Missouri, hunting whitetail. And hunting whitetail is different than Alaska. In Alaska, you can be really loud in the woods. Like you moose hunters, I mean, you guys are like, you know, you got the stereo blasting on the pickup, and you're talking loud in the woods. You got the bonfire going and making all kinds of noise. Whitetail hunting, you can't breathe in the woods without every whitetail within a quarter mile radius running off on you. And so my dad is teaching me the, the art of hunting. And I remember he, he decided to teach me this thing called still hunting, which if you're not a hunter, it's basically you walk through the woods and you take one step, and then you stand there for like 30 minutes. You just look around. And you take another step, and you stand there for like 30 minutes, and you look around. And I remember him describing this way of hunting, and I'm like, Dad, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. First of all, that sounds really boring. Um, second of all, it seems pointless. Why would you do that? Just get to where you're going and sit down. And I, I will never forget the first year that I just started listening to him and, and the animals that I was able to take that year and how I, I realized that every step that I took, I didn't know this, but it changes your perspective. I mean, what you can't see here, it's, it's, it's wild, you can actually see when you do this. And then what you can't see here, you can actually see when you do this. And, and, and life in Jesus is no different. If you're here today and you're like, man, I don't believe it, I wonder, what would it, what would it mean if you just took a step forward? And you're like, well, I'm going to start serving in one way or another. I don't know if I believe in Jesus, I want to find a way to serve, contribute to this thing. Okay, Jesus says that this is going to be better for my marriage. All right, I'm going to try to rip this out and add this. All right, that, that's my, my Christian friends, this is what I see modeled in their parenting. I'm just going to try to model that in my parenting. Just give it a chance. Because you can't rule out Jesus if, if you haven't given Jesus the authority to make the rules. You have to take a step forward even if you're not 100% certain. Okay, I'm going to ask you to be honest in the room. Is there anyone here today that would say there's been times in their life, maybe even this morning, where you weren't 100% certain that there was a God. Look around. So I know, I know for me, there are some days I'm at like 56%. There are some days where I'm just like, man, I don't know. There are some days where I'm struggling and I'm like, if, if there is a God, he is cruel. And I'm dealing with that problem, Right? 
There are days where, where, where it's just hard, but what I continue to do is I take a step forward. I just keep walking forward, and what I see in every step is that God is so faithful. Is that when I'm not faithful, when I struggle, when I doubt, God continues to be faithful. And so I wonder for you today, if you're like, Brian, I'm like a 56%. Do you know that you can follow Jesus at 56%? Or 22%? Or 6%? Wherever you're at here today, do you know you can start following Jesus? And do you know that you can even give your life to God and get saved at 56%? God, well, if you can't, I, I can't. I mean, like, I need some hope because I have a struggle with this like anybody else. Sometimes I doubt But know this, if you doubt, it's okay. Just do something with your doubts. Just don't leave yourself in doubt. Take a step forward. And as you step forward, you're going to just see God so real. And he's so good. And he's so loving. And he's so fulfilling in your life. Like he's going to be always there. But you have to keep stepping forward. So Jesus gives us a few really important things in this. The first thing is this, that Jesus is the way. If you're like, well, Brian, I don't know what that next step is, um, we bring everything back to Jesus. You just come to him, and I just want you to know you will know what the next step is. Even just get around the church, get around people who are farther along down the road than you are, and and where are they going? Go with them. Walk with them. And start taking the steps, and as you do, you will find the direction that you're looking for. And the next thing we see is that Jesus is the truth. And here's what we know about the truth is that he says, if you seek the truth, the truth will set you free. And if you're here today and you actually want the truth, then what you need is Jesus. But understand this, that if you resist Jesus, you're resisting the truth and you're ultimately resisting freedom. So if you want freedom and if you want the truth, come to Jesus. Jesus will give us the truth. This is one of the hardest things about it. When you start to follow Jesus, you start to see who you are. And it's hard, and it's painful. And he tells us all the things that we don't want to know about ourselves, right? Right? It's like a good marriage, right? Start learning stuff about yourself you didn't even know until you got married. And then you have kids. You never realized how angry of a person you were, right? Until you're, you know, picking chocolate out of your VCR or something, you know? Like, you don't realize how angry you can get. Anybody still got a VCR? Anybody? Six people have VCRs. Jesus is the way. Jesus is truth. The last thing we see is that Jesus is life. If you're looking for life, if you feel this season, especially in Alaska, um, this time of year I always bring up that depression rates are through the roof in uh, April, May in Alaska. And if you're new and you have a sense of depression this time of year, and you feel like a freak show, um, you're actually, that's, that's fairly normal. There's a weird thing that happens this time of year where we've got all of this expectation of summer and all the fun stuff, and yet then there's like who we really are. It's down here somewhere. And when those two things collide, it creates a lot of missed expectations and, and depression. And so understand if you're feeling that, you kind of lack life right now, understand that's, that's somewhat normal, but you don't have to stay there. So no, no matter where you're at, if you feel like, man, I have not been alive. I mean, I've been physically here, but I have not been alive in a while. I've been kind of just running on fumes. Understand this, Jesus will give you life. And he will fulfill the thirst that you have. 
And if you do have this thirst that has not been quenched by anything else around you, know this, the reason is because you were made for something different. You're made for something better. You were made to be in a relationship with Jesus. And and this is such a beautiful thing. As we come back to this whole idea of exclusivity, when you look at the gospel, it's just so much better. It's just a, a way better story. Because the people who believe that there cannot be one way to heaven, just be a good person, I mean, think about that belief system. Just be a good person, and that's how you get to heaven. The question I have is, what about the people who aren't good people? What about me? What about my past? What about my present? What about what I'm going to do tomorrow? What about what I said to my kids the other day, right? What about these thoughts that are in my mind? What about these poor decisions I've made? I mean, it sounds really inclusive, just just be a good person and and you'll get to heaven, except for the fact that we aren't good people, right? Like none of us really are. We think that we are, but we, if we're honest, we're just not. But here's what the gospel is. The gospel says, you know what? No matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, I want you in the family. I've made a room for you. Isn't that so much more beautiful? Like, like the world says, here, get a good record and you hand it to God and hope you get into heaven. But the gospel is that Jesus takes his good record and he hands it to you. And he makes you clean. And he makes you right. It's good. So you hear those two and you go, well, which one is really more accepting? I mean, really in so many ways, the gospel is the most inclusive, exclusive thing in the world. That this God who says there is only one in his, one way in his way, his name is Jesus. There's only one way, but Jesus wants everybody to be with him. He wants to bring all of you. He wants every individual in this room to be in the family. There is a name above all other names. His name is Jesus, and he wants you to be part of the family. And I want you to know that today. Let's stand up. I want to pray for us, and we'll worship here together. God, we're so grateful that you meet us where we are. Whether it be in a building on Brooks Loop or a high school here in Eagle River or somewhere online, wherever you are, God, you meet us right here. And you are a personal God, one who knows us by name, who knows our fear and our sorrow and our struggles and our suffering and our anger and our angst. God, you know all of that. And your desire is to give us hope. So God, I pray that we would allow ourselves to be included in your family. God, I pray that for the person here today who's been running on about 56% worth of faith, that they wouldn't unnecessarily disqualify them from taking a step, from being a follower of Jesus. God, thank you so much that you love us where we are. God, thanks that it's not all based upon how good we can be. God, thanks that you died for us. That you'd do anything to be in a relationship with us. So we want to receive that today. And as we worship, God, we want to give you our best. Right here, God, we want to open our, our hearts and our mouths and our, and our arms to honor the God who loved us enough to send his son for us. We thank you, Jesus. We pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.